here now, you're hearing us talk about money for the first time. Maybe you just say, hey, what kind of fellowship is this? Every time you talk, they talk about money. Money is good anyway. You like money? Is there anybody who doesn't like money here? Hallelujah. So if you like it, then we'll talk about it. But this is our moment to really discuss financial issues. Because you see, money is tied to your blood. You know. I can't deceive you. When your bank is in the red, your blood goes haywire. Your BP is rising because your money is going down. Huh? Am I right? So there's nothing wrong. So there's a need for us to talk about it so that you know how to handle it. You know how to get it. You know how to keep it so that your blood will not be rising. I mean, you don't get older than your age because your finance is going down. Hallelujah. Oh. This morning I want to continue from more or less where I stopped last week. And remember, I've been talking about stewardship. Is that okay? Uh, the principle of stewardship is, is God that gives you money to make works. So money is not your own in the true sense. God gave it to you for kids. That you'll be able to manage what God gives to you. That is why he plays a demand on you by the parable that Jesus gave in the book of Luke 16 on just steward and say, give account of your stewardship. You can only be asked to give account of what you're asked to keep. Is that okay? That shows that somebody owns what you're keeping, which is the money. And so the way you use your money is very important to God. Praise the living God. He can either promote you or bring you down. The way you handle money either takes you up or brings you down. So it's very important that you know how to handle money and not just how to make money. And I'm so glad about the first section we're having this morning on budgeting. Uh, some of us are too callous about it. We don't know anything about budgeting. But that is too bad. We really need to have to be able to budget. We don't just buy, you know, spontaneously, just go to the supermarket, whatever you have. Now, <laughs> I stepped into one of these supermarkets recently and I found that it's an ATM, ATM machine. I said, man, this guy wants to kill people. So if you carelessly go to the, to the shop with your ATM machine, then you are finished. Because you are going to buy things that you never budgeted for. Because by the time you see this, you go back to the ATM. You see this, you go back to the ATM. So there's a need for you to budget. And if you are going to such places, please don't be tempted to go with your ATM card. Are you still there? But I are going to be seeing unnecessary alert coming to your phone. Praise the Lord. Now I'm sharing with you this morning, basically, God's desire for you is to prosper. That's what I'm talking about. God's desire for you is to prosper. God wants you to prosper. And the first thing you need to understand is God is our father. And every father wants his children to do well. Am I right? Every father wants his children to do well. Not just do well, do very well. And they are always proud when their children are doing well. You know, do you know that boy over there said, that's my son. Even when there's no need for introduction. They want the issue of introduction to come up. I said, what, what are you talking about? Are you discussing that man? The discussion didn't go there. So, but you know it's my, it's my son. And some people even use that. You, you mean the other, the other man in that place? That's my brother. Why is he identifying with you? Because you have some money. Hallelujah. All right. So, I'm going to be starting this morning. Let me read a scripture to prove and to say precisely what I'm saying. When I say God's desire for you is to prosper. So, I'm talking about prosperity in the sense. 
And don't get confused because some of you think prosperity, I'm going to define it. Some of you think prosperity uh, has to do with just money. And so sometimes you, you come to the conclusion that when you hear people talk about prosperity, you get mad. So I, I don't believe in prosperity message. There is nothing like prosperity message. It's the whole counsel of God. Money in the Bible is mentioned almost by, I mean, above 800 times. Money matter. Above 800 times. And from the record I got, up to about 700 times Jesus talked about money. Depending on the translation of the Bible you're using. Over 800 times, the Bible talks about money. That, that, that even includes uh, things like the use of the word wealth, riches, and all of that. Money, over 800 times. Now how can God devote his time to talk about the subject, and you say some subject should not be taught to his people? Are you sitting there with me, somebody? How can Jesus be so consigned about money, to discuss money? In fact, the truth is, the Bible discuss more about money as compared to hell and heaven. Now check it out. I've been able to do that research. The Bible discuss money more than hell and heaven. So that's very serious. Why? Because this is one of the tools, this is one of the things that comes up on the face of the earth that really prove who God is. The earth or the fullness thereof belongs to him. And he intends that his children should possess his property. If we are God's children, then we are heirs of God. Are you still there with me? So if we are heirs of God, it means whatever God has, we are supposed to have. In fact, we need money to make this earth a paradise. Some of you travel overseas and you don't want to come back. Why? The life there is super as compared to what we are experiencing here. I'm not talking about you spraying your house all the time with mosquito killers and then giving you infections in your lungs. I'm talking about people living free life because they have been able to develop their society with money. Hallelujah. The other day, Captain Bob was speaking to me, talking about, I think in the UK or somewhere, I can't remember precisely what he was mentioning, how you can go through under the sea, a train under the sea to another country. A train under the sea. Huh? A train passing through under the sea to another city. Instead of flying, they are going under. It's money and science. Are you there with me? Okay. Now, I want to really look at the word. Look at that. Psalm 35 verse 27. Psalm 35 verse 27. The word says, Let them shout for joy and be glad. That favor my righteous cause. I would like you to underline that because it's very important. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. The Lord be magnified which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. That means God delight in your prosperity. That means it makes God happy when you prosper. Hallelujah. Now, you need to understand this. Prosperity is not just money. The real word prosperity actually speaks of the, the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom means peace 
It means welfare. It means well-being. It means to be rich. So the word prosperity is not just restricted to financial matters. It includes all of your well-being. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? Now, God intends you to prosper. So you need to understand what I'm saying this morning. God wants you to do what? To prosper. And that means he wants you to have money and he also wants you to have the health to enjoy your money. So I'm talking about prosperity. Don't get confused that I'm just talking about money. Money is part of prosperity. Are you sitting there with me? You, you need to have wealth. You need to have money. You need to have your physical well-being to be able to enjoy the money that God is bringing your way. Can I hear an amen to that? And that is our focus in this ministry. That's our focus in what we're declaring to you. That God wants you to be held and he wants you to have enough to be able to live and be happy all the days of your life. Watch this. The Bible says God takes delight in the prosperity of his servants. Are you servants of God? That means God delights that you do what? You prosper. Praise the living God. And let me show you something with a simple definition. First Samuel chapter 25. And look at verse 6, but 5 and 6, 1 Samuel chapter 25, 5 and 6. Now, this is the story of David when he was kind of running away from Samuel, I mean from Saul, and he came to this place of Nabal, and then he was requesting for some food for himself and his people that were running out because of the prevailing situation. But I would like to read this and explain something as part of my definition of the word prosperity that I'm sharing with you this morning. Now in verse 5 of 1 Samuel 25, and David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, get you up to Camel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thou shalt ye say to him, that liveth in prosperity, oh my God, peace be both to thee and peace be to thy house and peace be unto all thy heart. Now, I think, how many of you have observed that ordinarily you like blessing rich people? Come on, talk to me. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Ordinarily. You like blessing rich people. God bless you, God bless you. They might not, even what they'll give to you might not be anything but God bless you. Are you there with me? Now, he said, you go and say this to Nabal. Who live it in what? In prosperity. Look at the kind of greeting. Man, this is, this is wonderful. <laughs> you see what it means for you to prosper? You see what it means for you to live well? That how men greet you changes. Are you see that? You know, you can see people greet and good money and they are walking. But when they know who you are, they stand at attention. They bow down. Are you still there with me? Praise the living God. Now, peace be to thee. This is the ancient form of sending greetings to friends. Peace to thee, peace to the household, and peace to all that thou have. That is, may both thyself, thy family, and all that partake unto thee be in continual prosperity. That's the meaning. May you remain prosperous. In other words, this greeting goes to men that are prospered. That have prospered. That they might maintain and continue. And to remain prosperous. That means. If you are not in this class. You are not qualified for this greeting. 
Hallelujah. Come on, am I talking to someone here? If you don't have what it takes, it means you are not qualified for this type of greeting. By implication, those who are living in prosperity, there is a continuous wishing that these people remain what? Prosperous. Hallelujah. So I'm just trying to define that for you. Now, I'm only trying to show you definition, simple definition of the word prosperity. Now, if you look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32, the Bible has this to say. Proverbs 1, verse 32. For turning away of the simple shall slay them. And the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. What does that mean? Who is a fool? According to the Bible. The fool is the man that says, there is no God. So begin to understand. When you don't acknowledge the God that gives the power to get well, you are simply saying, you are a fool. It means, God really wants you to prosper, but at the same time to acknowledge the source of your prosperity. It's only the fool that have your prosperity as a factor of destruction. And that is the man that say, there is no God. Hallelujah. But in all of this put together, God wants you to do what? To prosper. And that is what we're showing you, that you have to be able to come to the place where you do not only have to live in divine hell, live in strength and power, you also need to have enough. More than enough. I'm going to make you see that. When we talk about a man that prospers, we're not talking about that, you know, have words, have things together. Anyway, let me not just jump that. Let me, let me show you this. So, like we, like we said in the book of Luke chapter 16, I was trying to talk to you about how Jesus came to this man and said, give account of your stewardship because I gave you the power to get what? I gave you the money. Now let me know how you spend this money. And the man could not give account. He knows that he was going to be thrown out of job. And there was something he said. He said, I don't know how to beg and I don't want to beg. No. Therefore, I have to apply wisdom. Meaning, now don't you forget, this person is not a believer in this context. Is that okay? Not even believers don't want to beg. In fact, believers are ashamed to beg. Therefore, you as a believer cannot beg. Because now I am old, David said. I have never seen even the children of the righteous doing what? Begging bread. Begging is out of your life. <laughs> Somebody didn't catch that. Unbelievers are ashamed to beg. Therefore, you as righteous cannot be a beggar. It's about shame to beg. So he goes to this man. How much is how much are you owing? Says so six hundred. Okay, write down five. Put one aside. You how much? He said uh, two hundred. Okay, write fifty. Put one fifty aside. He said because I can't beg, as this man's going to throw me out of job. That when I get out of job, all these people have done favor for. They'll take me in. And Jesus said, even the children of this world, they know how to secure themselves with money. Did you get that? Hallelujah. So now, but look at verse 10. Verse 10 of Luke 16. The Bible says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in your righteous moment, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Hallelujah. 
He that is faithful, he that is unfaithful in that which is least. What does that mean to you? It means as far as the scheme of things is concerned in creation, money is the least thing. Did you get that? Money is the least thing. Listen, you give money power. Money has no power of its own. Is that alright? Money is the least thing. Now, Jesus is saying, if I allowed you to make money, and you can't be faithful enough to acknowledge me who gave you the money in the listing, how can you expect to get even your own or anything better? By implication, the way you handle money, your budgeting now, if I may use it, qualifies you for more money. The way you handle money, the way you come to acknowledge the source of your money, brings more money to you. It gets you into the place of promotion in the sight and in the hand of God. Are you sitting there with me? He said, how can you, if you're unfaithful in that which is least, the least thing as far as God is concerned. That's what he said. Money to him is least. And that the way you handle this thing which seems to be nothing, determines how God upgrade you and move you to what you commonly call the next level. Hallelujah. Are you there? Okay. Alright. Now, let me read this from the message translation. I think I like it here as well. Jesus went on to make these comments. If you are honest in small things, you'll be honest in big things. Small things. What is the small thing there? Money. Hallelujah. If you are crook in small things, you'll be crook in big things. Oh. It, means, it means your unfaithfulness in terms of, because sometimes you think you don't have, but you have money. That, that little money you have, if you are not faithful in it, you can't get anything bigger. God is not going to ensure that you have anything better because you are not faithful in the first one that he gave to you. Hallelujah. That, that's why you have to be able to check your budgeting like we said this morning. It's very crucial. It's very important to me. You check your budgeting. You should be able to see and know how you spend money. Don't spend money carelessly because it's not your own. I remember some time past we watched a video in my house of one missionary, the Laurie Conigan. And uh, here was this man that went on the mission field and uh, he got some money. So he went and bought a suit as a pastor. He has to put on his suit, as the case may be. And at the night, the Lord woke him up. I said, who asked you to go and buy a suit? He said, I'm a pastor. I just want to dress well. He said, I'm asking you, who asked you to go and buy the suit? It's my money. If you needed to buy it, you consult me. Are you still there with me? Oh, faithfulness. That's what I'm talking about. You think God doesn't care how you spend your money? You think because you buy clothes for yourself, you buy this for yourself, oh God, you don't be clapping for you? Not at all. All these things you do, how many times did you consider the source of your money? The source of your wealth? You think yourself, you are not thinking about your source. That's why I call him an unfaithful steward. Hallelujah. So he said, if you are a crook in small things, you be a crook in big things. If you are not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? That means 
Money management is a job that God gave to you. Hallelujah. If you're not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? Can you, can you compare being a store manager or a house manager? I mean, a business manager compared to you just being a simple laborer. Small jobs. Hallelujah. No worker can serve two bosses. He will either hate the first and love the second, or that the first and despise the second. You can serve both God and the bank. What does that mean? Don't let the bank control your life. God should control your life. You can serve both God and the bank. Remember, the man you serve, you have dominion over you. So don't let your bank account have dominion over your life. That's what the Bible is saying. So your act of unfaithfulness is when your interest is more in the bank than in God. Hallelujah. Are we still together? Somebody may not like this, but you are still my friend. And I'm still going to be your friend. Hallelujah. You can serve two masters, the bank and God. Now, let's begin to go into the real business. Can you turn with me to Galatians chapter number 6? I'm going to read verse number 7. Hallelujah. Money management is more business compared to what God wants to do in your life. You are getting ready to be in the storehouse. Amen. He wants to take you to the place of being a storekeeper. <laughs> Hallelujah. Take you to the place to become a storekeeper. You know, it, it, is, it is unfaithfulness, ungratefulness. And, I mean, when money comes into your head, that is where you're going to steal in and doing all of kind of kind of stuff. We... Recently, we read stories of a bank manager being jailed. I don't want to mention the bank. All because he has to steal some good money from the bank. You were asked to keep the money. You are not asked to steal it. Hmm? Somebody wants you to keep the money. The people's money. That's your bank manager managing people's money. You don't have to steal the people's money. So he has to go to jail for that. It's the same thing. God is giving you a store to keep. He's giving you money to manage. The way you use money, either you're going to be stealing it or you use it to do the work of the man. Now you just forget what the Bible says when we read the book of Sam. It told us precisely those who take delight in the business of the father. Those who take, you know, that joy in the business of the father. And that is how he takes delight in you because you take delight in his business. In fact, Jesus said, seek it for the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. Seek for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be what? Added to you. The way you seek God is when you have your money, the first thought that comes to your mind is, who gave me the money? You first acknowledge the source of your wealth. Hallelujah. Okay, Galatians 6 verse number 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also what? Reap. Now watch this. I have always explained this. What you sow is what you reap. Meaning, <laughs> I have to reap the identical object that I sow. Right? Hey, are we together? But again, watch this. What a man sow that has so reap doesn't mean 
If you sow 20 naira, you reap 20 naira. That is not true. Is that okay? Because what's this? If I sow a corn of wheat, I'm not expecting to go and harvest a corn of wheat. Does that make sense? Good. You sow one corn, one seed of corn, you have that bunch. I mean, can you go and count how many corn, ears of corn you're going to be able to? Just one seed, which is whole. So, the scripture is not saying, if you sow 20, you get 20. That is straight by butter. God is not going to reward you based on what you sow. Don't deceive yourself. Harvest is always more plenteous as compared to sowing or plying. The simple law of agriculture will tell you, when you sow your seed, you are expecting what? A greater harvest. So when he says, whatever you sow, you reap, what he's saying is, if you sow joy, you go joy. If you sow hatred, you get hatred. It's the identical thing you sow that you harvest. Are you still there with me? Now, if you sow money, what do you get? You get money. So the choice is yours. The choice is yours on what you want to sow. You sow wickedness, you get wickedness. So you reap. Hallelujah. You sow destruction, you get destruction. You sow happiness, what will you get? You get happiness. And the good thing again is, you sow happiness, you don't just get just happiness. You get multiples of happiness. Anything you sow will always increase. So if you sow wickedness, expect an increase of wickedness to come unto you, a multiplication of wickedness. You will see men multiplying against you. Because it's what you sow. Every seed multiplies. It has power to increase. So little hatred now, even in your family, it begins to grow. Other people outside that you don't even know will begin to contact that. And before you know it, they are after you. You begin to wonder, the witch is after me, the wizard is after me. My friend, think twice. Something might be wrong somewhere. But God wants to set you free. Glory to God. Now move to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God delights in your prosperity. It takes pleasure in your prosperity. Then you have to find some root and some means to get into prosperity. Your wealth, your divine wealth, and the welfare, and the money. And I'm not even talking about just buying cars, and two cars, and three cars. All of those things put together are fine. But the point is this, if you have one or two cars, and you have a brother who doesn't have one, you need to be able to give that person one. We have some people that love cars more than they love human beings. Amen? One of my friends recently was traveling. <laughs> They were going on a business in Podaikot and this guy has six cars in his garage. But what did they do? He has to go and charter a vehicle. Because he said none of his cars can enter that road. Can you imagine that? You have six cars, you want to charter a car, all of them, none of them can enter the road. The road is not good enough for his cars. I don't know where he's going to drive them because this is Nigeria. Hallelujah. But I'm sure very soon he'll go and buy another one. Love cards. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, is there is something God wants you to do. Amen. Second Corinthians 9, verse number 10. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, but minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, 
and increase the fruit of your righteousness. My friend, listen to me. Your money is tied to your righteousness. Amen? Now, if you look at this scripture, with me, we have two categories of people on the earth. The eaters and the sowers. Did you find that? Come and look at it. He that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed soon. Amen? And increase what? The fruit of your righteousness. So, there are bread eaters and there are seed sowers. What that means is, some of you, you just like eating everything that God gives to you. You don't have an understanding that the things you sow multiplies. Are you sitting there with me? Now, if God gives you a hundred thousand naira today, and you eat it up within a week, no problem. It's God to give it to you. But you are not expecting a harvest at the end of the month. Because you have eaten up the hundred thousand you got. That means the eaters of the bread are always stagnant. They can move beyond the level. Because God does not multiply what you've eaten. He multiplies what you sow. Do you understand this? Look at it again. Now here the minister seat. Now remember, God is going to give to you. God give me food, he will give you. Give me money, he will give to you. But wisdom demands that he gives you money, he intends you to invest the money. Are you sitting there with me? The man that invests the money is the sower. <laughs> Are you sitting there? And the book will tell us, he that ministers to the poor, lends to the Lord. So, see, let me tell you something. You know how you lay up treasure in heaven? It's as you do good with what God has blessed you with. Now, there was this young, young rich ruler that came to Jesus. Okay? And he said, what must I do to enter into eternal life? Jesus said, come on. What do you think the Bible says or the world says? He said, oh, well, I've kept all the commandments. What a boast. I've kept all the commandments. Oh, Jesus said, fine. That's wonderful. That you go sell all that you have and give to the poor. And the Bible said the guy was grieved in his heart. Why? Because wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen? You know, so many of us talking right now, their hearts are out of this place. Because your mind is somewhere in your bank account. Maybe you're calculating, so what is Pastor driving at? Want me to go and withdraw some money? And give to somebody? What is he driving at? Hallelujah. Amen? And Jesus told this young man, say, when you do this, you lay up treasure where? In heaven. Okay, let me read it from the message translation. This most gracious or generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meat is more than extravagant with you. It gives you something you can give away. Are we all together there? Which grows into full form lives. Robust in God. Worthy in every way. I'm reading verse 11. So that you can be generous in every way. Producing with us great praise to God. Hallelujah. 
He gave to you. He multiplies it so that you can give away. God is not intending you to stockpile wealth. Hallelujah. Baby, you know the simple definition of the word currency. Amen. What is currency? Currency is simply from the word current. And current is not stable. It's something that is moving. Amen. That is why often people tell you don't put money in your hand and don't use your speed to count money because you don't know the people. Even lepers must have handled the money you are handling now. Except the one that is fresh from the bank. But some of those ones you see there, you don't know how many persons. Thousands of persons have handled it because it's circulating. And they must have transmitted some diseases into it. You know, you leak. You want to count money. You don't know what you're doing. Currency. Are you sitting there with me? That is from the word current. And God said, he is blessing you. He is multiplying your seed so that you can have enough to do what? To give away. That is the purpose of your prosperity. I'm trying to define for you why God wants you to prosper. It's not intending you to prosper, to stockpile, to hoard. He doesn't want you to be a miser. Hallelujah. So, everything you give out multiplies and turns back. That's what he's saying. The true secret of success and prosperity, biblically speaking, is to be a giver. The scriptures say it's more blessed to give than to do what? To receive. He who receive, more or less, continually remains a beggar. And it's always down below. Are you sitting there with me? Kevin, come here. I want to bless him now with this. Okay? Turn, let me see you. Just a little bit. Okay, turn your hand. I want to bless him. Are you following what I'm talking about? Now you receive it. Alright. Who is at the top? So the one that receives is always below. If you want to continuously remain below, be begging. He who gives you is always on top. It's always ahead. Because there is no way you receive without putting your hand down. Oh my God. Does anybody see what I'm talking about? You're always coming down every day. To, give me, give me, give me, give me. You're always there. Down below. And the man that's giving you even the very least thing that seems not to be anything is already above you. He can determine when to receive it, when not to receive it, how to talk, when not to talk. The four rings. I said, what do you want? Uh, I need some money. Okay, come tomorrow. You are determining what you should do. It's controlling your life. And you come tomorrow. Oh, I didn't give you time. Come by five o'clock. Are you getting that? And you come by five o'clock. Wait 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Oh, I couldn't go to the bank. Come tomorrow. And when you come, you are down below. The man that is always giving is at the top. God wants you to be the head and all the tail. So the man that is at the tail is the one that is always begging. God will change your position. He wants to bless you that you may give away. Like Pastor Mark was saying in the morning, check your wardrobe. What do you have there? Check your account. What do you have there? Do you see people around you that need the things that you are not even touching at all? Can you look around and see about the local assembly people who need the things that you are not touching at all? He blesses you that you may do what? Give away. Hallelujah. 
So this is basically the purpose of prosperity. You need to understand that. God wants you to come to the place of prosperity. He wants you to be wealthy. No two ways about that. He wants you to have money. He wants you to have other things. Cars, shoes, clothes. But then they must go in circulation. Go into circulation. Don't hold them. Don't count them. Let them go into circulation. That is the purpose of wealth. Praise the Lord. Look at now, same chapter. Look at verse 8. Same chapter. Verse 8. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 9. Look at it. Verse 8. And God is able. Everybody say God is able. Yes, sir. We serve an able God. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound toward every good work. That's the purpose. Do we have all things in all sufficiency? All things, not just money. All things. Are you still there with me? Do we have all things in all sufficiency? So that you'll be able to do or do good works. What is a good work? Distribution. Hallelujah. Distribution, meeting the needs of people, meeting the needs of the things of the kingdom of God. Priority is God's kingdom. Are you see that? Priority is God's kingdom. It's not you. It's not self. It's not just your immediate family. Priority is God's kingdom. I remember a man. Time passed. I know the condition it was. Came around, we prayed. God came in, assisted, moved. Things began to come. But any time we talk, he's always telling me of his extended relations that is training. He doesn't think the kingdom. When he was down, he had relations. No relation came to him when he was down. Now, he can remember the list of the relations, but he can't remember God. May God forgive all of us. I will say it. It is God that gives us the power to get well. Remember the Lord thy God who gives us the power to get well. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? I like this. God said he wants to give you all sufficiency. In all things. I may abound what? In every good work. Every good work. Every good work. That is why. You know here. We don't. We don't ordinary. This structure coming up. We don't let it come here and say. Men. 50,000. Women. 70,000. Children. This. You don't do that. You should know what is good. We are all not equal. God has not blessed us on equal level yet. So. If, if, if somebody is bringing 20 bags of cement and somebody can also come in with one bag, the important thing is you must have the heart to sow into God's kingdom. Do you understand that? And don't think I'm going to say, hey man, at the end of the service, the Lord is telling me I'll see five people here. We can give 50, 50,000. Nonsense. 
I'm not going to use gimmicks and no minister should use gimmicks to take money out of your wallet. You should know what is good. The Bible says God bless you that you may abound to what every good works. Surely to bring this, to bring that. What for? If you want to eat it, eat it all. He give bread to the eater. Seed to the sower. You have a choice. When you eat up, you are there. The sower, what happens? It multiplies. He have more seed. Now, tell me, what do you want? Is it bread or seed? Oh, come on. Your seed shall multiply. Hallelujah. You can make a choice. Want to be a eater in life? Come on. Be a eater. The bread will always come. Be a eater. (laughs) And I have chosen, and I want you to choose us to become what? A seed sower. It is what you sow that multiply, not what you eat. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? Okay. So the purpose of prosperity is to give to good works. And you know what good works mean? When you don't have enough to support that which is right, in the sight of God, you are not yet prosperous man. I want to be honest with you. No matter how much you have, if God's thoughts doesn't come to your mind, if God's project doesn't come to your mind, you are still a poor man. Is that okay? Hallelujah. If people are perishing around you, you can't do anything, and yet you have money, you are a poor man. But again, God really intends you to have more than enough so that you can be able to meet the needs of people who are in need. Hallelujah. Look at what James said. So your brother comes to you and said, I'm cold. Hey, be a warm. What a prayer. Be a warm cannot make somebody warm. What you need is something to put on. Are you still there? Simply say, do good when it is that power to do what? To do good. Somebody is hungry, come to you. I pray the Lord will multiply and supply your needs. No, man, check in there. Get a basket of rice, get a basket of beans, and bless the person, let him go and cook and bless God. Who made it possible through you? Can I hear amen to that? Be praying for people when you can meet needs. Somebody is hungry, needs food. You say, let us pray. I don't pray like that. Does he need that? The person is hungry, what he wants is food, not prayer. Are you still there? Let him first eat, then you can pray. So that we know how to pray well. Let him pray with appreciation. Pray with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Are you still there? He said, you see how people say, I thank God for your life. He, he brought you together with God because of what you've done. I thank God for your life. That God used you to solve my problem. So don't say, let's pray. And then you allow him to move around the street looking for somebody else. You go to the second person and say, let's pray. You keep on praying around the street that is hungry. No. Hallelujah. Give you power, give you money so that you can meet needs. Buying things for yourself, no matter what you have, is more prosperity. Does that make sense? No matter how many things you have. For yourself. Without meeting the need of people, you are not a prosperous man. That is biblical definition, what I'm giving to you. Because the purpose of prosperity is for you to be a blessing to other people. Pray for blessings so that you can be a blessing to humanity. Can I hear an amen to that? 
God spoke to Abraham, God will bless you so that he can be a blessing to people. So the purpose of blessing is that you become a blessing to other people. Not for you to consume it for yourself. Again, we look at Psalm 32 so you can see what I mean there. Psalm 32 verse 27. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be world magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity, the shalom of his servants. But the key word you need to know from that passage is that favor my righteous cause. God has a cause on the earth. And one of the major ministry of God on the earth is the gospel. Do you know that? Saving of souls. What are you doing? In ensuring that souls are saved. We have media department, we have publications, we have TVs, we have all kind of things that you can use to push the gospel. And some of you can, on your own, you don't need to wait for a church budget, on your own can rise and say, Pastor, I want us to go on TV, I want us to go on radio, I want us to publish one of those books, I want us, you can do that. You are favoring the cause of God on the earth. Amen? You don't wait for people to tax you. My philosophy about ministry is right from the book of Exodus. When Moses told the people, the Bible said, this is the plan of the building. They that are be willing, let her bring towards the building of the house. And the Bible said, people who were stirred in their hearts. It means some people will never be stirred. So if God can't even stir you, then tell me, is it me that is preaching that will stir you? So those who were stirred, they brought. And the things they brought were more than sufficient. Moses had to appeal to the people. It's enough. It's like, I think Nehemiah also when he was building. The Bible said they brought and the thing became a heap. A heap. Offering was coming. Left and right. Just because they said, we are building. He didn't tax people. We don't need to tax people to give to the Lord. There's a cause that God is interested in. We have to be involved in it. They gave so much, it became a heap. And men have to, I think, use shovel to heap them into the storehouse. Hallelujah. And Moses have to appeal to the people, what you've given is enough. Please don't bring it anymore. But people were still willing to bring In the midst of that, people never showed up. And let me tell you something. When God can't stay your house, you're already under a curse. How do I know that? I can explain. You want me to explain? Listen to me. If we are in this house, and all of you are my children, and any time I'm sending somebody a message, I don't call you. What does that mean? You have no part in me. Any time you are not steady your spirit to do God things, it definitely proves God is not interested in your life. You may be in the house, but you are like a slave. My sheep hear my voice. God my children. Are you talking? Am I talking to someone here? So don't expect people to come push you. Or if we say, well, we have this project, we need to put it, like we say, we put on the windows, we want to put on this, and we want somebody to come, okay, every man, how many men do we have here? Then bring the list. Pastor, we have about 26 men or 30 men. That's okay. How much each man? You don't have to do that. You have windows, you have whatever thing you want to put up, 
You can pray. God will let you know what he wants you to do. And anytime you'll be willing, God will give you the power to perform your willingness. He'll give you the grace to fulfill anything you want to do for him. Because you are favoring what? His cause. That's the purpose of prosperity. How many of you want to prosper? How many of you know what prosperity means this morning? Until you overflow and begin to minister to people, you are not yet prosperous. So even if you have five houses, six houses, and people are still languishing, nobody is getting anything from you. You are a poor man as far as God is concerned. You are not yet prosperous. Are you see that with me? How many of you want to be bread eaters? Oh. But how many of you want to be? Oh. You like that? Come on. That's a message. Hallelujah. You want to be sower, so you are going to get seed. May God give you seed to sow. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, precious Lord. In Jesus' name. Come on, give a clap offering to Jesus. Hallelujah.